EGTN in the classroom. Justin, leave them kids alone. Oof. Hey, Oof. Justin. Let's put that in context. Yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. Oh, you don't totally leave it in, but just put that that it's, in context. It, uh, uh, Justin, leave the kids alone and stop giving them Fs. Okay. There it is. Uh, yeah. Okay. That'll work. I don't know if I should go on with this now because this was very poorly thought out. Mm-hmm. You know, like most of my ideas. Go with it. All right. <laughs> we went with it anyway. We'll just say we went, went with that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. That's the song. That's the song. I mean, can't you tell what the song was about? Well, mostly. <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> Again, I should have thought about that a little bit more. It was a lot funnier in my head. So, you know, I can teach you what I'm trying to sing about. I think we'll get there. Eventually. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you know what we're going to talk about today? Oh, we should probably tell what we are first. Maybe. (laughs) What are we talking about today? Well, the name of the show is... uh, Welcome, everybody, to Every Man's Guide to Nerdum. I stole your part. Damn it. Now I'm all fucked up. <laughs> you go ahead and finish out your part. Yeah. Welcome to Every Man's Guide to Nerdum, where we are two 30 to 40 something year olds who talk about pretty much whatever we want. I'm Chris. And I'm Kyle. And uh, if you guys would like to interact and join and, uh, you know, be part of the community outside of just listening to us, uh, we have links to our Discord server in the uh, show description down below. Join that. It's free. Lots of cool conversations <laughs> below us. Lots of cool conversations. Lots of fun things happening. If you want to talk about movies, anime, comics, video games, beer, and uh, there's beer, wrestling, um, sports. or there's something, sports, sports talk with the sports balls and things, um, or anything that like if we don't have a topic and you guys want to talk about it, let us know and we'll make one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so join that, and then if you want to hang out with Chris and myself live, we uh, play video games poorly every Friday and Saturday night on Twitch. You can find Chris over there on Twitch at GuyverUnit01, G-U-Y-V-E-R-U-N-T-01. Mine's a lot easier. It's K-Sig, K underscore S-I-G. We play every Friday and Saturday night. We play um, terrible indie games terribly, um, and it's fun. Really, so, really bad. Really bad. So, yeah, if you want to hang out in person, check that out. Every Friday and Saturday. Well, most every Friday and Saturday. Mostly, every, yeah, well, you know. Shit happens. 85% of the time, yeah, shit does yeah. happen. So, well, right now we have two special guests with us because we're talking about education nerds. Um, let's start off about this, explaining why we chose to do this episode first, then we'll introduce our guests. So, this week... Um, as I was discussing with the four of us earlier before we started recording, before we hit record, this week, two years ago, was the last normal week that the kids had in school. Uh, the before times. 
In the before times. Yeah, in the long, long ago. In the before times, Mortimer. <laughs> um, the kids really have not had a single regular week of school, if you think about it, yeah. since for two years. And I know with my girls, you can definitely tell it's it's different. Like their attitudes have changed. Like it seems like they weren't learning at a, a, a steady rate anymore. Um, I, I honestly think they're a little behind. Um, and not, you know, because of me, because I'm a genius, but just because there's no, it's not normal right now. And I know it's difficult. So I figured, why don't we strike while the iron's hot and talk about education? And what better way than with our two guests? First is friend of the show. And use that term loosely. We used to like the man himself, loose. Mm. Um, Dr. Justin. He is Dr. Justin, mind Doctor? you. All. Doctor. Justin? Doctor Justin? Dr. Justin. Yeah. Doctor. Justin Lady. <laughs> um, Justin is, as you guys know him from Nurkies, you know him from the our second episode, the MST3K episode. Um, manager of the fantasy football league. Yep, manager of the fantasy football league, and good buddy of mine. Known Justin for a while. Good buddy of Kyle's. So, mm-hmm. um, Justin. All those things are are in that order, by the way. In that order, yeah, literally in that order. Unfortunately, but mm-hmm. welcome back, sir. Thank you. I'm glad to be here to talk about probably one of the things I nerd out most about. So that's it's uh, which is really difficult to say what i nerd out about most with stuff but surrounded uh, yeah mm-hmm. and, and when you guys suggested this episode i was really excited because um a lot of times people see their nerdum as only pastimes or hobbies mm-hmm. but very much your work and what you know gets you up in the morning is very much a nerdum as well so so i love that you guys are exploring this and, and going that route extremely well said extremely that, well said so thank you for that that was the the we move over that was the basis when we wanted to kick off the show is that you have your stereotypical nerdiness um as you can see in justin's background and then you also have like things that people geek out and nerd out about you know we've talked about planners and um now we're talking about education all these things that that people are passionate about and you can tell when they talk about it um the nerdiness this there that you nerd out about it you geek out about it and and uh that's why we're doing this that we're exploring those additional ideas and we want to get you interested in maybe something you didn't know that you were again the basis of the show to get you interested in something you didn't know you might have been interested in or Mm -hmm. piqued your interest like maybe i should do that so any of the uh college kids listening to this which there probably is or maybe in germany our germany base is going up Ah. and ireland um and canada um if you guys want to go into education, there is a shortage right now of teachers. They need your help. They need our support. Go into education. Not me, because Kyle and I would be terrible teachers. Exactly. I subbed for two days and I cried. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it was fifth grade. Whatever. That's a story for another day. Guest number two. Long time person. Uh, who, probably who, her whole life yeah yep yep she's known herself her whole life 
I've known her for a couple of years now. Miss Shelby, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to do this. <laughs> um, Shelby is a teacher. What grade do you teach, Shelby? Um, I teach second grade. So she teaches the littles. And we're going to explore that a little bit more, like what some of the difficulties are, what some of the joys are. Just get into everything there. And Justin, what do you teach, sir? I teach college. So I'm at a, a community college here locally. <clears throat> and so I teach everything English, everything from writing um, to literature to everything in between. So, And then Shelby, what subjects do you hit on like on when you're teaching? Because Justin just said what he teaches, but what do you teach? Um, I am a gen ed teacher, so I cover it all, all the fun stuff. Which is just nuts to me. <laughs> it's it's kind of like us, Kyle. Like you have to know a little bit about everything, but then they have the job of they have to become the subject matter expert and then teach it, know it and relay it. Knowing is <laughs> yeah. one thing; being able to relay it is something totally different, different altogether right. yeah 100 percent. Mm -hmm. so we will go kyle i believe it's your turn yeah so uh you know you we kind of hit it a little bit early hang on we talk about what you guys do teach uh, but justin i know your answer already if you would consider yourself like a a nerdy educator um do you do you consider yourself a nerdy educator and and why yeah. explain that defend that if you need to i do next okay i definitely right. do and no longer invite uh, justin to show take kids out of justin's class okay? <laughs> podcast was like 30 minutes long that's uh it's weird and it was complete silence yeah and it's all Shelby <laughs> just talking and the other guy saying sure weird uh, so yeah the and, and we'll talk about you know our backgrounds and how we got into it um I'm sure at some point but um the idea of, of education and the nerdiness um and, and kind of like what I said earlier it's it's like you know if someone is an accountant and they love it you know in, in that nerdiness um, or if someone's an artist and, or, you know, anything like that, the, you can't get a degree, especially advanced degrees in a field and not be a nerd because you would lose, uh, you wouldn't be able to finish because you'd lose interest in, uh, you know, type of thing. So not just undergrad, but, you know, going on further and further. And I think the more that you are getting educated, how to be an educator, um, you develop a, a, a healthier sense of your nerdiness because you're learning not only the information, but you're also learning how to give that information like Kyle hit on just a second ago. Um, man, I've, I've had, I've had some of the smartest teachers in the world um, throughout my long <laughs> education career, but very few of them were able to actually teach me. Um, you know, and it's, there's a lot that goes on. It's not just, do we know uh, the subject matter? Yeah, we have to know that for sure. We have to be kind of nerdy in our subject matter. 
you know, anything literature, English, writing, rhetoric, things like that, I, I nerd out on. I read extra things about it, how to teach it, you know, the latest things in the field, all of that. But then also, as we continue in our, um, um, our education, we really learn a lot about um, the value of that nerdum and how that nerdum can play over into the larger aspect of our social, uh, our culture, and then, you know, our society and, and a lot of that too. So, um, but it's very, very handy to have that nerdum because it keeps you going in and it wants, it allows you to stay interested in how to teach. Uh, you know, someone could be like, <laughs> I didn't finish the thought, uh, you know, I've had some of the smartest teachers, uh, you know, around, but they could not, they focus only one aspect of, of teaching and teaching is such a multifaceted, oof, uh, I mean, you have to be a, a you know, no a, a subject area expert you have to also know how to teach you also know how have to uh, control the classroom you also know how to uh, be a counselor and a philosopher and a mother or father and then also a, a social worker I mean you have all of these balls that you're juggling um, and a lot of people will look at it and go oh well you're just a college teacher or you're just a second grade teacher and it's like okay well step in our shoes for one day and you will see <laughs> there is a lot that goes on and things keep getting um, asked more and more. And I'm sure we're going to get to that too, but because of all the training, because of all the education, all of that, it really helps to enhance that nerdum. But honestly, it's not until you get into the classroom and you have those students that the love of the nerdum really blooms because uh, you know, you have that interaction, you see the, that light bulb come on. If, if you don't mind a cliche saying, uh, you know, all of that, that's what really feeds that nerdum to where you just, you love it. Like you might hate certain circumstances with administration or parents, or, you know, there may be a, a problem child or, uh, you know, student or something like that. But for the most part, you keep coming back because you have that nerdum. So, yeah, that was a long answer to your, I probably no, should it, just... it... No, and that's the thing. That's exactly what we want. I want everyone to. One of the things I hate the most, you know, I my mom was an educator. Um, so wait, did you so say I, one of the things you hate the most is your, your mom? Well, we all know that too. No, one of the things I hate the most is that saying that you know, what is it? Those who can't teach, and then whatever it is, you know, the really shitty one. Yeah. Um, that's how much I hate it. I don't even memorize it. Um. I want everyone to get a better understanding of what you all go through, especially right now, because it is not a fun time to be an educator. And I don't know how you all do it. Like, bless you, your saints. Any teacher listening to this, bless you. We really, Kyle and I really appreciate you because we couldn't do it. Mm -mm. No, and you wouldn't want us to. No, you definitely, look at that guy. You, yeah. don't, you don't want him in your classroom. Mm -mm. He's like, all right, whiskey time, children. All right, it's uh, 10.30. And... <laughs> so, if there's any... And this is an open invitation before we get to you, Shelby, for your answer. If you all want to hit on anything that we don't have on here, feel free. Like, if you want to just let something off your chest, if you want to let everyone know about something about the teaching profession, let's talk about it. That's the whole reason we're doing this. I want people to have a better understanding. 
So Shelby, same question to you. If you don't remember the question after Justin's <laughs> 30 minutes, we can go on and say it again. But if you remember it, go ahead. Um, I, whenever I think about being a nerd about something, I feel the same way that it's like you're obsessed or it's like your passion and you just want to constantly know all of the information and know all about it. And so I definitely feel like I'm a, I'm a nerdy educator because I am constantly wanting to know more about what's going on and how to be a better educator. And obviously it's a lot different than how it was whenever I was in elementary school and these are constantly evolving. And I think that's so fascinating because there's just constantly just something new to learn about education, which is ironic. Um, and so that is why I'm in grad school because there's just constantly new things to learn. So, and I, it is very cliche as Justin said, but the light bulb moment is a very real thing. And whenever you're putting in all that hard work and they're not understanding it, and then you just figure out how to teach it just a little bit different and they finally get it. And then it's just like smooth sailing from there. It's just so fun to see. So, yes. Which is a, that's <laughs> a great answer. Um, one thing that I want to ask you guys um, is how does being in tune with your nerdiness help you connect with your students? Like, we know that Justin has a great connection with his students. Um, he has one of our family friend's daughters in one of his classes right now. Um, and then we have another person who's friend of the show, Hughes, Mr. Hughes, who was in Justin's class also. And we know he brought Justin into this whole thing, or not Justin, uh, Hughes into this whole thing for our show. And Hughes has been a great member of our community. So uh, Shelby, I'll start with you. <laughs> because I, I see the wheels turning in Justin's head. Yeah, we'll give him a minute. Yeah, we'll give him a minute because I, I think he's got a great answer for this. But I want to start with you. How does your nerdiness help you connect with your kids? Um, I feel like it helps because I'm constantly learning with the kids. And I'm very open and honest with them whenever I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what this is about. And so I'm like, I have to research it too. And so I, I try my best not to make my kids feel like I know it all because I don't. And there's a lot of curriculum that I have. I don't know what it's talking about. And I have to learn about it too, before I can teach it or try to help them understand. Um, also not every two years is the same. Like every class that I've had, they are completely different. They have some similarities, but there's different struggles and everything else. So it's constantly a learning process and getting to know their likes and dislikes and what helps them stay motivated. And um, because I, well, these years have been so insane. And like you said that um, they, they are behind where they would typically be. Um, I, I don't hold them all at the same expectation to know everything. I have to definitely meet them where they're at. And so I feel like that that has helped me connect with my kids. <laughs> Good answer. Ooh. It's it's kind of refreshing to know that the teacher openly admits, yeah, I'm going to learn with you. Let's learn together. I think that's really cool. And you know the best thing about teaching second grade, right? It's not third grade. <laughs> oh. The older I get, they stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. Right, right. Disgusting mud and spit turn into some healing shit. <laughs>
Is that the right one? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> didn't think that was the right soundbite at all. <laughs> nope. Wow. That was, that was probably that's the wrong one, too. You'll, you need to label those. I really need to label those. Nope, that was not the right one. <laughs> that was a lot funnier had I pushed the right one. All right. I, I disagree. <laughs> I'm buying you a label maker. That's mm. it. That's just going to happen. You're going to label your soundboard. I need to. Mm. Hey, Justin, your turn. <laughs> uh, so uh, how does being in tune with my nerdiness Man, um, whenever I first started teaching, I had some older teachers that gave me advice. Um, and one of their pieces of advice was don't smile, don't laugh until after like Thanksgiving, and then you can start. And I rejected that day one because that's not me. And if you are a teacher and you try to be anything other than your authentic self, kids will see right through that. College students will see right through that. Anyone in your class is going to see right through that. And you're not going to earn that trust and respect and, and have usually a very good class if you're trying to be someone who you're not. I am a huge nerd. Um, I, have, I love pop culture. I love movies. I love music. I love everything that, that um, you know, pop culture has to offer. And so embracing my nerdiness in one area can help with my nerdiness in education in another area. So whenever it comes to um, curriculum, I, I have a certain thing that I have to teach, but I can really choose however I want to get that across. So um, I usually hit pop culture. I usually hit a lot of the nerdy stuff that, that I like and, and um, the... So let's say I'm trying to get across uh, in one of my classes uh, some, some writing, uh, some, some idea about writing. Well, probably what I would do is give them an example about how I'm 50 plus hours into Elden Ring and I still haven't killed the first main boss uh, because I'm, it's so stupid hard. And troll. I have to go around and really uh, build up my character and, and explore and I can relate that back to writing. You know, if you think that you're going to be writing the very first, you know, a, a great essay the very first day, no, it's going to take a lot of exploring around. It's going to, and for some people, that analogy or that idea is like, oh, that makes total sense to me. I've never thought of it that way. But you can also bond, I guess you could say, with students because, you know, I know the teachers that I had that I, loved the most and wanted to disappoint the least were the ones that I felt a personal connection to, that we had the same interests and things like that. The teachers who were like overtly rude and angry and mean, I could care less what they thought. And so I could care less what really happened in that class, honestly. And so I found that by being myself and embracing my nerdiness uh, with pop culture, it's allowed me to embrace my nerdiness in the classroom with education with a lot more um, effectiveness. So, yeah. Kyle? I was just taking that all in. And <laughs> I was. You, have well, a I was hey, you had your mouth open, so I thought you were about to say something. <laughs> I, I, it was there, and I don't know what happened to it. Like it disappeared. I had something, and then, but it was like way back in the beginning part of that. And then I'm just sitting here imagining Justin like going through 50 hours of Elden Ring and then like, oh, okay, now I'm out of the uh, the options menu so I can move forward now. 
Hey, I'm, I'm at <laughs> level sixty. So my my guy is at level sixty. So I mean, I'm I'm progressing through. Um, but good You're lord, level sixty. Yeah, I'm like level thirteen because I keep getting killed by the troll. Yeah, I'm not buying the damn thing because I've seen what happens. Oh, you hear me crying about it. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're like, I'm the training boss. Once, uh, once you get going, Chris, wheels. let me know, and I, I can give you a couple of hints of where you can collect runes a lot faster. I and, will once I get past that. And, yeah, so it's, I'll, I'll definitely help you out. But this is a perfect example of a conversation I'll have in a classroom, and because of that, oh, you understand who I am and where I'm coming from. Okay, well, maybe you maybe I will open up and listen and, and it won't just be zoning off in class. Um, you know, in, in my lit class, I teach uh, intro to lit. I teach the watchman. I teach a graphic novel that I'd love and I can get across a lot of the ideas of symbolism and, you know, a lot of other things I need to get across, but do it in a way in, through a vehicle. That is something that I'm passionate about. And in turn, the students see that I'm passionate about that and they really appreciate that and understand the passion and, and tap into that as well. Um, and you guys have probably had teachers where uh, you either A, didn't connect, uh, didn't really understand each other, or B, they just, you knew that they were looking for like three o'clock and as soon as three o'clock hit and I'm out. And it's, they were checked out. And so I was checked out in their class too. And so uh, just to put a bow on what we're talking about, the nerdiness I think is, a key component to my teaching personally, uh, because it's it's truly who I am, and so it it makes it easier for me to to do what I do. So, sorry to to circle no. that. No, 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 no. This is what this is what we're looking for, man. And so, like, kind of carrying on that and going over to Shelby, like, are you able to take your? I mean, obviously, Justin was passionate about. Elden Ring right there for a good what seven eight minutes <laughs> so are there like things that that you're passionate about your likes things that you just really enjoy um that you're able to bring in the classroom and then possibly utilize that to connect with the kids you know um kids can be standoffish I mean from even from that age they help you break down the walls and help you get through to those and and be able to connect with the kids in your class I was trying to think about something to, to relate to what Justin was saying. Cause I'm like, <laughs> uh, with my seven and eight year olds, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed being a kid. So like I, we sometimes just take a break from learning about things and we just have a moment, like I'll make Play-Doh with them or, um, we, we've baked cookies a couple of times this year. <laughs> Um, so, but really the, something that I, I love doing every year, I teach in a, at a school that has a very high Hispanic population. And ever since I was little, I, I have always been obsessed with everything Dia de los Muertos related. I, I did almost like all of my research papers in college over that. I, I have just been obsessed with that. It's another nerdy thing about me. Um, and so around November 1st every year we just completely stop what we're doing and we do a whole like research project together and we make um we make certain things throughout the week that are related to it and because 
I teach in a high Hispanic population. The majority of my kids <laughs> know all about it. And then that really just sets us off with a, with a good tone for the rest of the time. And I, I really enjoy being a kid and I, I love putting on kids bop and singing with them. So I, <laughs> I connect with them because I'm also a child. So I don't know. <laughs> so do they, do they know the history behind the Dio? What is it? Dio de los Mortos? Mortos? Dio, Dio yeah, de los really, Mortos. Really close. To <laughs> you know what? I got, I, I put my foot on the path. You got, you were getting there. I was getting there. I was not close, but I put my foot on the path. Damn mm-hmm. it. You, you were close. You might just want to be careful about how you pronounce things because they may mean something different. Um, yeah, that's but, true too. <laughs> um, for, for the most part, they do. I have a lot of um, families over the years that they also celebrate Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> and then um, whenever the movie Coco came out, <laughs> that is a fan favorite to watch too. And it really explains a lot of the traditions and um but yes for the most part they do have a pretty good understanding but that's what we start off with is why this why we celebrate this what the purpose is uh why it's so important so please tell me you guys sing poco loco (laughs) when you're doing it and dance around the classroom (laughs) um i don't but I, I am sure that I have had kids before do that. We're all about kids bop soundtracks. So unless it's not on that, then probably not. <laughs> I would like to point out, Kyle, when you said I don't, Kyle gave the head turn and the I don't believe you look. I wasn't going to say it. Oh, I was pointing it out. It's cool. I know, I know. I mean. <laughs> I think the burning question is, though, Shelby, do you talk about Bruno in your class? Every day. Okay, yeah. So every day. <laughs> I thought we weren't supposed to Bye. talk about Bruno. Melissa has <laughs> to talk okay about now. Bruno every day in class. So every day. Oh, it's such a great movie. Which I don't I don't know if we mentioned this, but my wife also teaches with Shelby second grade. And so um understand definitely the struggles and triumphs and everything else that Shelby goes through on a daily basis for sure. You hear about it all the time. But yeah, that's uh the definitely have to talk about Bruno at least a couple times a day. <laughs> well, to be fair, there are worse things. It's a great movie. True. hundred percent. Okay. And then. We kind of hit that. So yeah, we kind of hit that right there. We got both those, Justin. We don't use Elden Ring things. So we're good there. Um, that was a bonus. That was a bonus. That led us it's a bonus things. level. I know. Like he's like, yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, <laughs> that's not how. You, okay, anyway. No, he did it on this one because it's it, Nicholas Cage in it. it. Off, yeah. Like, yeah, you 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 brushed it right back onto yourself. You have to, do you have to brush off the shoulder. You've been a lovely audience. Thank you. <laughs> so, mm. tell us, start with Justin. Like, tell us a little bit about your your uh, educational background and. Um, like the path that you took to get to where you are now? Yeah. Um, It's hard to talk about my educational background without talking about how and why I got into education. So if it's possible, I'll talk about a little bit about both. That's okay. Yeah, we we can do that. Um, So my, my original background was not education. Um, 
as far as, you know, career and things like that. My mom taught 30 years um, at, at the high school I went to uh, English. So don't read too far into that, you know, Freudian type thing. Um, <laughs> but um, I was constantly surrounded by teachers. I was basically the teachers, the English teachers at the high school I graduated from uh, were my second moms. And so I knew them and it was great. Um, and they all said, oh, you're going to be a teacher. And my first reaction was, oh, hell no. That's what my mom does. No, no, no. I'm not going to be a teacher. And, you know, all the way through high school and all of that, it was like, hey, you're going to be a teacher. And I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm going to, you know, go make some money and, you know, all of that. So go to go to school and um, decide that I'm going to major in mass communications, um, which we like to call the laughable of all majors. Um, so it's uh, <laughs> PR, advertising, all of that good stuff. Uh, so my original career was in PR and marketing. So I was, uh, you know, worked for Ackerman McQueen, which was a um, uh, public uh, PR and mostly advertising firm out of Oklahoma City. Then um, loves the travel stops and country stores, you know, you know, driving down the highways. I was the PR coordinator for them for about six years. Um, but like I tell my students at the ripe age of 27, which is uh, young to some of my students, but old to others, uh, I just woke up one day and I was like, man, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, it's, I had a great job, paid me pretty well, but I just woke up and wasn't happy, you know, about, you know, where I was. And so I thought, you know what, what would I do if I could do for free? Man, I think I really want to teach and coach. And it's really good that I would, you know, do it for free because we basically do. Um, but the, so I basically just relocated. I, I was in Oklahoma City, uh, you know, quit my job, moved back to Tulsa, started a master's in education, and then uh, started teaching at the high school I graduated from. So, um, so that was my background in how I got started in education. And I tell my students that I, I truly chose this career. A lot of times people just kind of back into a career. And like Chris pointed out earlier, um, you know, there's that stupid thought that, uh, well, if I can't do something, I guess I'll just go teach. And I, I didn't have that uh, mentality. It was more of like, I think I'm ready now to go teach. I, I wasn't ready mentally uh, to do that before. And so I started teaching um, senior English and journalism at the high school I graduated from and coaching soccer, men's soccer. And man, loved, loved the, the students, loved the material. Administration drove me absolutely nuts and parents drove me absolutely nuts. So I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this whole college thing uh, because I don't have to deal with parents or administration. So uh, you still got to deal with some administration, but not as bad. Um, so then for the next uh, 12 years since, um, I've been 13, 13 years. Yes. Okay. Um, I've been teaching at different two-year and four-year colleges all around Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma, Central Oklahoma, all of that. And um, at one point, um, I was like, okay, you know, master's, because my master's is in... Um, Educational foundations and leadership with an emphasis in English. That's a lot of words to say an education <laughs> major uh, with an emphasis in English. 
And then I went on and got a, uh, and that was from the same school where I went to uh, for my undergrad. Then I got my PhD, decided to go get the PhD. Um, and that was from OU, Boomer. Um, and so that's- What'd you call me? Boomer. Uh, you know, it's a sports thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll fill you I in don't, later. I don't see it. We don't talk about Riley. We don't talk about sports ball at, uh, in OU. So, but yeah, the beginning my my PhD at OU, it really transformed me into the educator that I am now because um, I was able to not just learn, because usually in undergrad, you learn some techniques and, you know, ish um and some of the background in masters you learn more of the curriculum you learn like the ideas behind but in phd it's all about theory and it's all about really deep dives into how we got to where we are with education and where we can go and how i play a part of that um and that's where i really really fell in love with teaching and uh and really embrace that nerdiness um, and I think since, and it's not necessarily for those that might be interested in an, a master's in education, I, I'll tell this because, you know, I, when my wife was thinking about doing it, I told her, you know, a master's isn't hard, like you, you mentally, you can do it. It's just a lot of work. And so it's a lot of writing, it's a lot of reading, and it's a lot of, you know, call and response of, of what you're discussing that week but it's not like you're sitting there like i don't comprehend what they're saying but it's just a lot of work phd is the same way it's it's mentally you can do it but it is a massive amount of work as far as the readings and um, a lot of that goes so people who are interested in getting a master's even a phd it's it's doable it's very doable and chris will attest to like if I can do it, you can definitely do it type of mentality. That's true. Um, so, it's so yeah, that's, that's a good friend. Good friend. Yeah. I'm a but great the, friend. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy that I teach college. I'm, I'm so, and, and um, the really nice thing about my wife teaching second grade is that um, we have a, a way to bond on a whole nother level. So we can, uh, she can come home and talk about her day with second graders. I come home and talk about my day with college students. And what's really crazy is that many of the same issues that she's dealing with, I'm still dealing with too, and vice versa. So we can help each other out. We can, um, you know, flex in our nerd nerdum of, of that and, and really bond through that way too. But I mean, she's helped me on several um, lessons to where I've been like, Oof, I'm not really sure how to get this across. And she's like, well, have you tried blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. And vice versa. There's a lot of stuff where she's like, I have to teach this. And I'm like, oh, have you thought about maybe trying that? And it's like, oh, okay. And so it's, it's really, it's really nice that the further that I get into the nerdum, the education um, in classes that I take myself, the more I'm able to, um, really understand what Shelby does on a daily basis, because our jobs are vastly different. Um, but when it comes to the core of that, uh, that we, we essentially do the same thing. And so that's, I, I can't really think of any other field that has such a, uh, a paradigm where um, we do the exact same things, but do it so differently 
And so I think that's one of the fun nuances of, of education. Um, but yeah, from to, to put a bow on that, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so many bows. Fine. No, keep going, dude. I know, man. This I, is I, great. I, this, this is going to be a 16 hour uh, show because you let me talk. Welcome back uh, to part five of education. <laughs> there you go. The uh, But that's what the edit button's for. Go through and edit. Like, no, I don't edit shit out and Chris can vouch for that. Like if it's, if it's said, it's in there. Yeah, but I'm I'm one of those weirdos that like I was alternately certified (laughs) and uh, education was not the thing that I really wanted to do early on. It it was a choice for me to come back into. And man, I wake up now every day like excited and jazzed that I get to go into the classroom and I get to, you know, be there mostly because I have a captive audience that will uh, laugh at my jokes. Um, So that's pretty great. But other than that, it's just such a rewarding uh, thing that I honestly, I will probably do this until I'm like 75, 80, uh, because I don't see myself slowing down or wanting to slow down. Um, so I'm glad that even though it wasn't something that, you know, when I was four, I was like, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. I'm glad it's something that I circled around back to and really stuck with uh, because it's, it's been the most rewarding thing in my life. So yeah. That's awesome. I think it's safe to say that you're a little passionate about it. Like if I had to, if I had to put another bow on the bow that's on the bow, like, I mean, and that's, that's exactly like, you know, what we kind of prefaced with early on of exploring, like normally not thought of realms of nerdiness and Mm -hmm. the, the, the way that you guys speak about, uh, working in your classroom and how you've got to where you are and what you're doing is the same like tone cadence and enthusiasm that somebody that is excited about a new video game or a new Marvel movie or that's that engrossed in it and that tied into it that you know they say it all in like one breath and mm-hmm. that's what I'm getting from you guys and that's what we wanted on here and that I'm I'm very okay. appreciative of, of both of you for uh, coming on and and doing that with us like it's like kyle and thumbtacks of the world mm-hmm. exact same passion so right there um rubber well, band collection okay i've yeah. got to ask this before we go to shelby here <laughs> has your wife ever asked you and we're not saying her name so we don't dox you or anything um has she ever said to you when you're like oh, yeah, i just can't get through to them and she's like have you tried skittles <laughs> Um, have you tried offering skittles or making a skittles rainbow with the water in the plate i'm going to get a, a little nerdy here um, <laughs> oh, okay hold on wait a minute I had, to, doing I had to put on i had to put on the glasses because i'm gonna get extra nerdy here okay yeah uh, um, she hasn't because she is a fan of intrinsic uh reward intrinsic value and not mm-hmm. extrinsic and um and and that's a very i mean shelby i'm sure deals with that so much the idea that you want a student to do it intrinsically for themselves not extrinsically for a reward um and so personally especially once they get to college the extrinsic type of reward is you know did you get a grade on a good grade on your essay or something like that uh, we, you happen to see it a whole lot more for sure in, uh, you know, the elementary schools uh, with the extrinsic, hey, if you just fill this out, I'll give you a lollipop. But in the long run, what are we teaching that child as far as, um, you know, just life? Mm-hmm. 
just because you play on a sports team doesn't mean you deserve a first place ribbon. Um, you know, just because you do an assignment doesn't mean you're going to get a hundred on it. Uh, that's just not how education, that's not how the world works. And so, so <laughs> to, True. to answer your, your incredibly valid and slightly like fun question with a overtly nerdy um response <laughs> so but yeah she has not because she values the intrinsic she tries to teach them to want to the value themselves instead of the out uh, extrinsic so show me let me ask you this before, again before we go on to the question that we just asked justin <laughs> do you find that you have to do that sometimes with the younger kids because we all know that kyle's got a little i've got a little yeah, mine's been Some, running in and out all night. <laughs> sometimes that's what I find that, you know, I want them to problem solve on their own. I want them to, you know, get the reward and have that sense of satisfaction. But then sometimes they need that extra oomph. So it's like, I got a package of snap pickles or, you know, here, here's a Twinkie. You know, do you find that you have to do that sometimes with the littles for uh, motivation? No. I I agree with um, Justin's wife the majority of the time. <laughs> um, we are very very have, similar in a lot of ways. I have this recorded, so I'm gonna I'm gonna show her that. Oh, oh no, she's not talking about the. <laughs> Justin's so handsome. That's what Shelby goes. <clears throat> when it comes to education, we agree on a lot. Um... <laughs> hey, that's not what your eyes said last time I saw you. <laughs> I was going to say last night, me? but that sounds bad. When he was in his muscle I did shirt. See you last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, it's difficult for me because I sometimes like to give myself a treat whenever I do something right. And I'm like, I'm so proud of myself. I deserve a coffee. And so, uh, but with my kids, I, I try to teach them to problem solve for themselves mm -hmm. and they, because they are at this age where they are still very dependent. And by the end of second grade, they, they are almost, you know, these third graders, they're, they're becoming so independent. So it's getting them from dependency to independency. And the amount of times that I say throughout my day, I need you to go problem solve, like just go problem solve, go problem solve. And for the most part, they, they can do it on their own. At the beginning of the year, I have to give them a lot of nudges and there's lots of uh, trying to keep them accountable and teaching them how to do those things. I Will I say that I have never given, given them a smarty for doing something? No, because sometimes I just need them... I need them to stop asking me and I need them to figure it out. So I will sometimes bribe them with candy. Yes. I absolutely so. love Smarties. I'm not going to lie. That's <laughs> like, he's probably got some in his pocket. He doesn't realize right now. I might be honest with you. Smarters originals somewhere. <laughs> Snort Smarties. So. Mm -hmm. um, Smarties out of the dome. Both it's, Chris, it's... Chris and Shelby bring up an excellent point about teaching in that there, it's not cookie cutter. And even though we have a, an idea of how we want to teach, a lot of times just personal nature, human nature comes into play. 
and any parent will know that you know sometimes it's just easier to give them that damn ipad uh you know sometimes it's just easier and so um please don't let my my diatribe on uh extrinsic intrinsic (laughs) make it sound like uh you know i have done extrinsic for sure rewards before in a classroom it's just just like in parenting if you solely um do that and and rely on extrinsic then that's whenever you set up a a really bad um pattern for that that child and learning and and all of that but have i ever used it yes of course because you gotta dangle that carrot sometimes you gotta dangle that carrot and that sounds dirty i think i don't know is that just me? Okay. No, a little bit. I mean, we're there with you. Yeah. Okay. That's where my mind went, but yeah, yeah. but go ahead. I'm, I'm glad you're you're dangling so many carrots when we talk about kids and education. Only for you, Schmoopy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's weird because it, it almost sounds like you two are teaching the students life skills and not babysitters like a lot of your critics say, or a lot of the keyboard warriors when they talk about, go get a new job. You don't like it? Well, who's going to teach your kids there, dickweed? Yeah. Who's going to teach them the life skills that they need? Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. The internet. I, I don't know Shelby's background. So um, how did you get into education, Shelby? Did we lose our show? We did. We did. Huh? Okay, welcome okay, to the Justin Show. Oh, let's go. Was- welcome to the Justin Show. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he answered like three different questions with his very, very long answer that he gave earlier. So I will try to answer those same three questions. Um, But I agree. We would have to look back at my childhood to to understand why I got into education. Um, I, similar to the population that I teach currently, dealt with a lot of um, trauma and not you know, a good home life. And so my safe space was my school. And so um, I don't know what all my teachers knew about me. Knowing what I know now, I know a lot about my kids and things that I probably shouldn't know. So I'm assuming they probably did about me too. And um, they just always made me feel so loved at school. And like, I was so important. And that really always stuck with me. And so I was definitely a teacher's pet all throughout my, my um, elementary, middle school and high school. I, I am friends with almost all of my teachers on Facebook. Like I love them so much. And so that, I mean, again, just always stuck with me. And I wanted to be that person for, for kids that are going through, you know, all of the lovely things that they're going through at home or in their little worlds that they're going through right now. So um, so that's why I got in it. Um, but my education background is I have um, a degree in early childhood, which is um, I'm certified to teach between birth through third grade in Oklahoma. And then I have my, I have a double certification in English as a second language. And then I am currently at OSU Go Pokes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I am actually going to grad school to get a degree in educational technology with an emphasis in. Justin <laughs> left. If you're just listening yes, to did. this, yeah. Justin just put um, a bow on it and left. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so I'm I'm going to to grad school to get a degree in educational technologies with a, with a focus in school media library. So with with that degree, I could either run a department of, of ed tech or I could be a school librarian, whichever one. What so, do you want to do? Lots of options. What do you want to um, do? I I love both of them. So this was a like the perfect situation for me because during summer school I always teach a STEM class and uh, then I I also have um, this is my other nerdum but I have over 900 books in my classroom library <laughs> that I have acquired <laughs> over the Love years that. that I've purchased because I have a problem with books and I want them all and I love them all so I really either way I, they all need a good home though that's all the need books a need home. a good home mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's not a problem unless you consider it a problem <laughs> i think that's a great situation to have yeah like we don't have enough reading that goes on anymore yeah um, well that- my i was gonna say how i know that i have over 900 is because i signed up and i purchased my own online like library catalog and i have a little scanner that i scan all my books in so then i can see so yes over you have like over a, 900 books like a shelby decimal system set up in yes i do they i have them all categorized thank you that's my good one for the night. <laughs> i get one I get one a night there's maybe, something maybe. there's something that you mentioned early on and i want in that that i want to bring back up just at as a PSA for any parents of small children in school, their teacher knows everything. <laughs> everything that you say or whatever you do at home, you cannot get away with anything. It's my so when greatest you go to, shame. When you go to the parent-teacher conference and you get that look like, hmm, yeah, they know. Whatever it is that would cause that, hmm, they know. They know what you did. They know what you said. Understand you don't like wearing pants around the house or when you pick up dog poop in the yard. Oh, and that's why all of the teachers called Chris whenever he was in high school. Because I mean, everybody knows you're not wrong. Because kids love to talk, so you probably know everything. You know the good, the bad, the ugly, and the hilarious that you just can't. And we will not ask you to repeat on the show, but no, we don't want to because that is, uh, but this protected it, information, protected, a but lot a lot of it. But I mean, yep. yeah, the kids talk; they know everything. So, um, were you done? Where were we? we? I don't know. I'm. I lost where we are. <laughs> background into education because we hit three of them at once. And Shelby, this is why again why we do show flows because we always tend to do this, but. You guys have answered our questions so well that I don't know if you could tell, but Kyle and I were just sitting here going, no, they're, mm-hmm. they're right. We're just here for the ride. We really so, are. Uh, uh, what do you want to do, uh, start with Shelby, like before you got into education, was there something else? Like we knew what Justin wanted to do, which was sell uh, oversized and overpriced fountain drinks on the interstate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted like, to be an astronaut, farmer, an astronaut, dinosaur, farmer. rancher on the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have uh, have his own theme park on the moon with sailors and like Jack and it's called Just Justin. Yeah, and it only sailors <laughs> are allowed. <laughs> but what did you? Was there something else that you wanted to do, or was this like 
as long as you can remember of wanting to do a thing, this was the thing you wanted to do. Um, I, my other nerdy thing about me is I, I'm obsessed with animals, dogs specifically. So for, for a long time, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but, um, <laughs> that quickly went away whenever we were cutting one of my dog's nails and they started bleeding and I, I couldn't handle it. Just you're not a blood flipping. person is what you're saying. I'm not a blood person though. <laughs> I'm glad you said nails because I didn't know where, the, I grew up on a farm like type situation and I didn't know where that was going. And yeah. She was anyway. practicing. She was practicing for her future. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> like pass me the balloons. <laughs> I, something else was, um, I, I also love, like crime documentaries and I love criminal minds. So I wanted to be just like them. So I wanted to be a, a criminal profiler, but you're, you're always traveling, which is something that I also love, but you're never home. And I'm also very much a homebody. So that obviously wasn't going to work for me either. That's cool. Seeing the, the big like shift of things like, and it's like you kind of both had that same thing. Like these are these things I really want to do, but then you have, like, like you were, you found your calling. You both found your calling. Like this is what I actually need to do and want to do. When you find what you like need to do and want to do, and they they mesh up, I'm still trying to find it. It's been a while, but when you find those that like Me that's too. a really good feeling. You found it. Um, it's here. It's on the show. This is what you need and wanted to do. Oh yeah, well, there's this. I thought you were talking about job. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. This doesn't pay the bills for shit. But <clears throat> no. like the, 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 following your passion, finding your passion, and being able to make a career out of it, uh, which enables you, like. you to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Do what you like, and it's <clears throat> it's great to hear that that's what gets you up in the morning too for you too. That it's not the the old. Dunkin' Donuts guy, you know, gotta make the donuts or gotta teach the kids, gotta teach the kids. I taught the kids. It's not that for you guys. It's it's your passion, like Kyle was saying, and it's just it's just really refreshing to hear that you're you're actually in it for the kids, um, as much for yourself as well, um, because there's a sense of fulfillment. Um, God knows we joked about it earlier, but it's not for the damn money in this state. You know, no matter how much our governor thinks you guys make and how we're in the top 10, whatever, that's a discussion (laughs) for another time, but they don't make shit in Oklahoma. Like teachers don't make a dime. And that's why I'm glad that you two do this for any teacher that's listening. I, we appreciate you for doing this for, and not getting compensated for it. You know, like in the private sector, Justin, you were in the private sector, you know, one of the big answers, I I ain't doing that shit. That's not my job. I'm not getting paid for it. Well, you two have to take on the extra stuff. Like you, uh, Justin, you're saying you're a counselor, you're a therapist. Um, you're a manager you're an educator you know you're all the above and it's it's just great that you two are there's people like you in this world to do this i have to wear so many hats all of them with bows on them in justin's closet but and they're pretty they are pretty 
He does look pretty. Mm-hmm. Isn't like, he pretty with his haircut? Like he's ready for the derby every day. <laughs> the Justin Derby. <laughs> Hughes, if you're not watching this, you need to be watching this. <laughs> if he's not watching this, he won't hear you say it. Oh, that's we'll true. Tell him that, yeah, but he does listen. He does okay. listen. True. Okay. Um, let's start with Shelby on this one because your hours are going to be a little bit different than Justin. What is a typical day for you um, teaching hours? Like, what do you do? What do you have to, like, how do you prepare? Like, do you go to bed at a certain time? Are you like, oh, crap, I have to get this done because I know little Johnny and little Susie weren't getting this lesson. So I need to modify this. Like you guys were saying, because it's a new, it's a new year. It's a new class and they don't learn the same that they did last year. So I can't go by what I had written down here and you're having to put an extra hour. So what, what walk us through your typical day? Um, so Monday through Friday, I get to school between 6am and 630. And our school time doesn't start. The kids don't come in until 725. So, um, every day last year, I got to school at 6am because I couldn't stay late. So I get there between six and six thirty, and then I also stay an extra thirty minutes to an hour every day as well. Um, we are very fortunate that we have the majority of our things played out in advance. So then it's just a matter of going in and figuring out what I do need to do, do differently, what I need to do for small groups to make sure I'm differentiating and making sure everyone's understanding. Um, So yes, and then I also spent Sundays are normally like my school day, uh, like my teaching school day, where I just go over and I kind of do like an overlook for the week, uh, find like the main things that I'm teaching. So So you're spending your entire Sunday or most of your Sunday planning out your week, your (laughs) one of two free days. Yes. (laughs) But I thought you guys didn't put in any hours. Nope, I get to school at 7.15 and I leave right at 2.45 every day. Well, that's good to hear. All right. Uh, Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Long, if you're listening to this, uh, please uh, remember this. She doesn't listen to this. She knows better, too. She knows. She knows yes, she, for a long she's time. way too smart for that. <laughs> that's Shelby's principal. It is. Weird. How do I know that? Odd. I'm so Odd. weird out the loop. We're doing my thing. You just, you know, you just sit there and look pretty. Okay. I'm working uh, on it. Um, what do you, Shelby, before we go to Justin, do you use any of your holiday mm-hmm. times doing this? Do you use any summers doing this? What do you like? So uh, how many months a year would you say that you have your mind on school? Oh, it's, it is year round. I got kind of <clears throat> lost in what I was talking about a minute ago. So I kind of forgot the question, but <laughs> It's walk yes. through a day, typical day. <laughs> Welcome to my world. That's there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we get um 45 minute plan times every day as well. And you would think that that would be a nice little break, but um we are also in meetings every day during our plan time, except for maybe once a week, and then even then that's still trying to get caught up from the day. <laughs> um, and then yeah, all all breaks summer school I teach summer school and then we go right into um, professional development before the school year starts so even whenever the kids are out of school 
um, and they get like a nice little virtual day or they get off for teacher professional development. I'm in meetings all day those days, prepping and learning how to be a better educator or yeah, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> That's so nuts to me, just how you constantly have to be thinking about it. Like you don't have time to yourself. Mm-mm. That's why we appreciate you doing this because it is Sunday when we're recording this and you should be, according to you, thinking about school. Instead, you're wasting it with two idiots and Justin. Well, if That's they're behind this week, it's because yeah. of you. So yeah, so, <laughs> don't don't feel bad or anything, but you're the reason why a child won't be able to read this week. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't be the first uh, time. So yeah, it wouldn't be the first nor the last. And don't worry, we don't feel bad. You've listened to our show. Um, Justin, same question. Yours is gonna be a little Justin's gonna be a little bit different because he's higher ed, mm-hmm. but it's still gonna be similar. So what's the difference in that? Well, one of the biggest misconceptions, and I've taught ninth grade, 10th grade, and 12th grade along with with college. Uh, and typically I teach freshmen and sophomores i've taught some upper division but um one of the biggest misconceptions is that a teacher you know they they work you know eight hours a day let's say and then they just clock out and then they go back the next eight hours but then they get three months during the summer what i don't get that at my job as a dentist or whatever what they don't know is and i and i've i know this for a fact because i've had a different career a corporate career Whenever I left work in a corporate career, I clocked out and I didn't think about it until the next day I clocked in and hey, now I got to think about it. In education, I am thinking about it 24-7 and working on it more than what I was in my corporate. And yes, we get three months in the summer, but A, not if you teach summer school, which I typically do. Um, B, not if you're actually doing what... A majority of teachers do, which is plan for the following year and, you know, do all the curriculum, the lessons and all of that. And I mean, there's so much that goes on that doesn't happen in the classroom. So for me personally, nowadays, um, COVID has had a different um, um, change of schedule, of course, with my college classes, but I work uh, basically Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I've got um, two classes on Tuesday, Thursday that, um, meet for an hour and a half. So I, I, if you want to say work, work three hours a day, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, cause I have two blended classes that meet once a week on Wednesdays. So for most people that'd be like, what you work like three hours a day for three days a week, man, you're lucky. Well, you're not counting office hours. Well, you're not counting the grading. A vast majority of my work happens whenever I'm home and on the weekends. And, you know, some people actually get weekends. That'd be great. Uh, I would compare teaching and weekends to when I worked retail. I never got a weekend in retail. And and I don't actually have to go physically in teaching uh, to, to lose my weekend. But, man, it's it's a solid probably four hours each day on the weekend um, to prepare, to grade, to do all of that. So, um, so the technical answer is I, and, and because I've, I've um, teaching at the college and because I have um, online classes and we only meet, you know, COVID and all of that, it looks like I only work three days a week for three hours a day. 
but man, it's especially since COVID <clears throat> seems like we are working over time on a lot of stuff, especially in the English. I was not smart enough to be a mathematician, um, both because math people are really smart and also um, they can just like have scantrons. <laughs> There's your grading. No, no. In uh, English, I have to read essays and, you know, every essay takes about an hour and a half, two hours to grade. Um, and then you multiply that times 120, 150 students, you start to see, and you also multiply that times, well, you have like five essays, six essays a semester, and then you have five classes, you start to see, oh my God, that is a lot of time that's not in the physical classroom. So the actual work hours is the easy part. The classroom is the easy part of my job. It's the uh, when I'm home or when, you know, I'm, I'm clocked out, that's whenever it gets real. Um, and so it's, I'm not complaining whatsoever. I, I chose this career with my eyes wide open. Um, but it's also one of those things that's like, man, it's, it's rough. So earlier you had mentioned, there's that stupid saying, you know, those who can't teach or whatever, um, that always pissed me off too. And, and because my mom was a teacher. And so I saw every day how much she worked and all of that. And my dad and mom both warned me, you know how much like grading and crap you're going to be doing outside of class. Right. And I'm like, Oh, it's going to be great. And I'm like, Oh, now it's just, <laughs> it's an accepted part of the job, but still it makes me, um, you know, a little sad. Yeah. Some days. What you uh, what you said about the essays that made things make a whole lot more sense to me finally of things in like in my past the hours and hours of each essay essay and then you know hundreds and hundreds of essays because my last name starts with a W so I was at the bottom of the list so by the time professor got to my essay they retired as shit and they're like you know what screw him and he's not going to get like that makes that's my excuse now for why my essays never turned out great. Because they were tired and fatigued. For those of you who are wondering, Kyle's last name is actually Wanker. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. well, I mean, it's, it's got a double meaning when they grade his stuff. And it's I, I think it's definitely true. It's not your fault for how you ended up in school. It's definitely the teacher's fault. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's what I, that's what oh I'm my God. That's, yes, that's what I heard too. It was, it's because the teacher was tired and that's why you got it back. It wasn't because you wrote a shitty mm -hmm. essay. It's yeah. because, and, and you started it the night before and it only met three of the 10 qualification specifications mm -hmm. I'm looking for. Oh, sleepy but Dr. Owen. The, that's what I'm saying. He, he's the, the one. <laughs> I still remember his name. Anyway. God, I hope none of your kids' teachers are listen to our podcast in this episode. <laughs> I, it's, like, it's the I teacher's hope, fault. I hope none of them have listened to any of the other ones either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true, too. I was going to add in. I didn't even think about... Because in in school you're you're also expected to participate in in lead um, committees and things, and so I I am the lead teacher, so I, I also have a lead teacher meeting. I run two committees, so I have my committee meetings after school. We have our whole staff meetings. I teach after school programs, so like it it really is it's a lot. Yeah, and then if you <laughs> coach. Uh, yeah. coach a team or do something like that that's that's a lot of extra responsibility time not just practicing games but you got to fundraise you got to work with the parents you got to mm -hmm. work with the administration you got to work with the bus barn to get the transportation you got to work with like there's so many facets so someone typically will just see a teacher and be like oh a, a second grade teacher Shelby I'm sure you just like finger paint all day it must be the <laughs> easiest job 
And that's again, why I come back to just try it for a day, man. Just yeah. try it for a day. And, like and for two days. <laughs> yeah. You'll have a different opinion about what teachers do and, and the skill that it takes because juggling so much, you're not just teaching you're, you know, working around the lesson. You're seeing this student <clears throat> out of your 20 to 30, you see one student gets it. You see three students that are talking. You see one other student that is like, and so you have to corral and get them going. Okay, you're good. I know that. So maybe you could talk to the person next to you that's um, confused and maybe explain. You two, I need you to stop talking and listen to me because I don't think you're getting it. The other one over here. And then, so you have that, but then you bring in the trauma like uh, Shelby was talking about. If a student didn't get to sleep last night, they don't care about writing a stupid essay. If a student doesn't know where they're going to eat tomorrow, they don't care about a math lesson. Uh, and, and so we also have to be the counselor and all of that that we talked about. So there's so much more to the hours. There's so much more to the time and the mental uh, fatigue that it takes. I mean, there are certain days I come home and I just like, crash and they're like well you just taught like three hours well maybe but man just think about you know this 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 and this and you're it's so much more than in a corporate job and i'm not saying corporate jobs are easy by any means but so much in in a corporate job you know sit in a cubicle or something you have one singular task i'm going to do this and then i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that but as a teacher man throughout all the hours of the day, you're constantly multitasking and thinking about the next day, but also think about yesterday and that lesson and what didn't work. But you're also in the middle of a lesson and talking about that and what's working, what's not working. Then you're thinking about next week, I need to try a different type of lesson that's doing. And so all of this is happening while you're actually teaching and it becomes a juggling act. It's, it's, um, pretty, it's pretty impressive to see someone who's good at their job of teaching how they can just seamlessly go and make it look so easy. And I think that's one reason why there's a misconception about hours and everything else is one reason is people probably had good teachers and thought, oh, that's an easy job. No, 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 no. Just because, you know, it's not like I look at LeBron and go, oh, basketball's easy. Look at that guy. He can do all that. Basketball's easy. No, no, no. Um, and LeBron just makes it look easy. Yeah, and yeah. Shelby is the LeBron of teaching. That's what we should take away from this. So, I had a student teacher um, last semester, and that first week that she was with me, she every day she would text me until like five, asking me questions about like what the next day is going to bring. And she would come in the next morning and be like, "Yeah, I stopped texting you and I fell asleep." So she'd fall asleep at five because she was so exhausted Austin. from being in the classroom. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, it, another interesting thing that Justin just brought up too is, well, I agree with that. I crashed at like eight o'clock, even when I was supposed to be watching my kids um, after those two days of me subbing, just because the little kids lying to me, telling me stuff. And- <laughs> they- they saw you as soon as you walked through the door. Oh, like, they, they knew. It's like prison, like fresh meat, boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I still stand by saying that I wish that you would have been in my room for those two days. Oh, I would have taken it over <laughs> fifth grade. Um, I like second graders. That I need to put, not put that. Okay. I like, I don't even know Thank how you. to put that so it doesn't sound creepy. Okay. Um, but what Justin was saying, so. Yeah, thank you, mm-hmm. asshole. Um, 
One thing that a lot of people don't understand, the district that Shelby and I work for and Justin and I both went to school for when we were there, Justin graduated the year ahead of me. The When we were there, it was the rich school in this part of the state. It was, I could name on one hand, the Asians in the school. Literally in one hand, because we all hung out together. And uh, add to that, we graduated with almost a thousand people. Yep. And so that tells you if if the Asians, you know, one hand, but you graduate with a thousand people. So, yeah. Yeah. And like, I could tell you there, you know, I could tell you almost every black kid in my school too, because there wasn't a lot. It was a very, very white district. Very affluent, very rich. It's funny how everything changes now. Um, the district just built a $26 million football stadium. So everyone's like, oh, you guys are rich. You're rich. You're rich. Come look at, see how high our percentages of homeless and free and reduced kids. That's something you don't realize just because, you know, everyone struggles right now. Inflation's a bitch. Everything's expensive. It's hard. I get that. But a lot of these kids, like Justin saying, um, you don't know when they don't know when they're getting their next meal and they depend on that school meal. They know that that's that's a constant. They know that they're teachers. They know that Shelby's there. They know that there's a Justin there. That's the only adult figure on their life that might be there five days a week that they see. And you just never know. So it's I think it's a lot more difficult now teaching than it was you know, when you could make in the fifties, when you could make the whole meal in the microwave, the little pot roast Turkey cake mm-hmm. dinner thing. We've all seen the mystery science theater with that one. Um, like my mom's a, uh, uh, cafeteria manager and director for a school in Eastern Oklahoma. And, um, you know, you just talking about those struggles every time I talk with her or go visit, um, I hear those and she can tell some horror stories. You talking about, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, kids not knowing where their next meal is going to come from, or that may be the only meal they get that day mm-hmm. is Monday through Friday while they're in school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, also the struggles with keeping up the nutritional requirements and all that. And, and um, it's just so many facets of everything going through education. It's, it's really eye opening. And, and I really implore people to you know, the seven or eight people that listen to really talk with the the teachers um in your district your kids teachers the the teachers that aren't your kids teachers and the administrators and the staff and all that and understand what they're going through day in and day out because you get a idea in your head like what you guys have talked about oh they only work three hours a day or they're off all summer and you get this idea in your head or other people put that idea in your head um talk with them and like actually listen openly to what they have to say about it. And you'll, you'll have a whole new understanding and appreciation and respect for what they do. Have empathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the big word. It's a big yeah, word. Whenever I started teaching, it was exactly 10 years after I graduated at the high school I graduated from. Whenever we graduated, it was probably 80% white. Um, I would say there was, uh, and then probably 10% black, 
five percent um four or five percent asian and then you know we had some indigenous we had some others but um for the most part about 80 percent white whenever i went back 10 10 years later it was about 65 percent white which is like oh that's only like 15 percent but when you have three thousand students that's a big shift that's a huge shift mm-hmm. and especially it went from more of the upper middle class to more of the low socioeconomic that's a huge shift and then 10 years later whenever my wife started teaching at union um it was even even more so uh, a shift now i would say probably about 50 percent uh white in that range maybe maybe actually a little bit lower um, and I haven't looked at that district's, you know, numbers and things like that, but just from her classrooms, just from me seeing and going to the, the high school and seeing and things like that. And so it's hard for a, a community that had prided themselves on being the football power, the, um, the economic, you know, stability of this really, um, high achieving school, uh, school system, school district, and then see the pushback from some in the community whenever, uh, you know, it had a racist um, mascot. We were the Redskins. And, uh, and that's a whole nother probably um, podcast. But, you know, whenever that changed, uh, it wasn't until we had a majority, I would say a majority of minorities in that district that the huge push really happened there was always a talk about it uh but it always got dismissed well it's fine we're honoring the native americans by calling them redskins and and bullshit like that so racist Uh, (laughs) and so and i i don't mind calling it like it is so it finally did change and who were the loudest ones that were like angry about that well it was wasn't the people who were currently in school it wasn't the people that really had uh students uh, parents that had uh, at that school currently it was the people that had graduated and it was the white people who had graduated who were from that upper middle class not the low socioeconomic and all that and so we're seeing how economics play within the u.s within our state how things are changing and there's a huge pushback to that and a huge pushback to education, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here soon. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's really interesting how education has become this uh, lightning rod for political and, and other things of what's wrong with society. Well, we need to be back in school. It's the teacher's fault, blah, blah, blah. We need to, mm-hmm. and like, no, there's a fucking infectious disease that is killing people and yet you're going to outlaw masks you're going to do all this bullshit for political points but you care nothing about the education of the actual students you care nothing about the safety of the students and the teachers and things like that um you want your daycare i'm gonna daycare i'm gonna ratchet it down a little bit uh (laughs) tell us how you really feel justin (laughs) this is actually a good segue to our next question yeah (laughs) um but yeah, so I'll let you segue into the next question and let Shelby talk. But well, uh, it's, it's going to rile really you up again. <laughs> the changing face of, of education, especially within the, since COVID. Um, but yeah. Kyle, why don't you rile them up again? 
Let's start with Shelby. The next one is yeah. Let's go. So we got Hungry Justin. I know. I I can already. I can already tell that it's it's just going to come back. So I'm a Twinkie. Take off my shirt and do this. Oh no! 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 Wait, hold on! Wait! Wait! No! Zoom in. Oh, uh, Silver Clint. So there. Fire! Take off your shirt. (laughs) And I, I can see this pot probably, and this is just my assumption, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, Justin will tell me if I'm wrong. Um, There's no problem with that. As as uh, early education, elementary teacher, <clears throat> or, yeah, elementary school teacher with the little ends, how much of your own money, you don't have to give a dollar amount. You don't have to give a dollar amount. You don't have to get personal with it or whatever. You can just be like, yeah, shit done. Do you spend of your own in your own classroom on your students that's, non-refundable now non-tax deductible which is a bunch of bullshit um that's out of your pocket that you're doing it just because you you know you love what you do i mean you guys are both obviously passionate about it Mm -hmm. and so um like i'm sure it kind of it does sting a little bit but you're doing it for a good cause and you're doing it because you want to this is all like extra things or even things that you need that you're you know Talk about that. <laughs> I'm trying um, to how to do it without being like extra personal about it. it. It's funny that you say the the tax deductible portion because it's always so laughable whenever I type in my measly two hundred fifty dollars that I spend in my classroom every year. That's like, <laughs> I mean, a, a month or two in, I typically spend that amount. Um, I so whenever I think about the money that I spend in my classroom. Um, if you were to look into my classroom, you would see that obviously it's not things that the school provided. Um, I, I love to spend money on the kids. I love trying to find new and engaging things for them or even for SEL, something for them if they need to go and calm down and they need to, to collect themselves. Like I, I buy them fidgets or, or other types of things for them to calm down right with. Now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I I get them books every month. Uh, because Scholastic has the dollar fifty books. And um I also have in my top drawer in my desk, I have two packs of socks and two lunch pails and some extra clothes because there are a lot of times that kids will come in and they're not wearing clothes that they sh- like they should be in the trash <laughs> or they come in and I've noticed that it's the third day in the row that they don't have any socks on and so at this point of the year for the most part all the kids know like if they need something I'm, I'm a sucker and I will buy them any anything that they that they need that they are not getting I'll get them food I will get them clothes so um I, I don't know how much money I spend on them. It's it's probably a ridiculous amount, but it's it's worth it to me for them. So that breaks my heart. <laughs> it really does. Like I know we've said this, but it's like you don't really understand until you see it firsthand. Just how happy a kid is that you give them some socks because they can't get any or you give them a bag of chips because they haven't had anything to eat over the weekend you know just something just 
and I'm glad there's people like you all. I'm, I'm glad you people help them. <laughs> um, but it's it's. I hate that you have to spend your own money to do it. I wish that this country, in general, would take education a lot more seriously and be able to provide the kids for what they need. Like we always say, we want we want to we want a top ten state, or you know, we want America to be number one in the tech sector. Well, to do that, it starts with education. You can't, you cannot have an untrained workforce or an uneducated workforce. Either one, because either way, you're. If you train someone for success, they're going to be successful. If you educate them, you know it's going to help them be successful. But you know, the more that we just keep underappreciating our teachers and our education system and using that as the stone to cast in COVID, in just anything, that's just, that breaks my heart. And what's, especially in the United States, what's the way that we show that we value something? We fund it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one reason why teachers like Shelby, teachers like my wife, they have to spend easily a thousand dollars a year easily of their own money i mean think about if you were working in a corporate job and you ran out of pens and you had to buy your own pen for your job you would throw a fucking fit no this is my job i'm not gonna buy a pen this is i work here buy me a pen so i can use it or else i can't do my job but for some reason in the education world it's just expected that a teacher who's already not being paid well to pony up a lot of their own money. And a thousand dollars is actually pretty, pretty low because that would be $500 a semester. Actually, I would say easily 2,500, two grand to 2,500 uh, because there's so many small little things and it's things for your, um, for your classroom, for your curriculum, for the teaching, but also a lot of it's for your students. You want them to have Valentine's whenever their family can't afford to have that. You want them to have some type of gift at Christmas because their family can't. And so does the school pay for that? No. Should should education pay, education pay for some of those extras? I don't think so. But if all teachers were using their extra money for was to little supplements for their students, that'd be a different thing. Teachers are choosing to do that. But whenever the students are at a disadvantage because teachers aren't dipping into their own pocket, that's whenever it becomes a huge issue. Whenever I was teaching high school um, and ninth, ninth through seniors, um, regularly, regularly, I was, I was spending money. I need to get this. Or I need to do that. Well, you know, this school system doesn't have that extra money for it. So you kind of have to provide it if you want to do that. Well, my students have to learn uh, because they're going to get tested, especially in the um, high school years, they're going to get tested. And then I'm going to be judged on how they scored on those tests, which is a huge problem in education in the first place. Um, but that's again, probably for a different podcast. Um, but if I don't provide that stuff for my students, then they're not going to be able to learn. Then they're not going to be able to test well. Therefore, it's going to reflect on me. So it's almost a pressure to spend our own money. Um, and it's just happened so long that it's just become commonplace. Oh, well, if you're a teacher, you're going to spend easily $2,000 a year. Well, 
shit, that sucks, you know? And, and luckily whenever I went into higher ed, I haven't had to spend that much because I don't have my own classroom to decorate. I don't have my own like students that continuously come to me uh, for, you know, seven hours a day, five days a week, things like that. Um, and it's also college students, so they can buy their own stuff. Um, and it, that's, you know, recognizes that a second grader can't go out and buy a lot of the stuff that they need to. And a lot of times, especially at Title I schools, and for those that aren't familiar with that, it, uh, and Chris had mentioned the free and reduced lunch, what that means is if you are below poverty level, you get free and reduced lunch. And that's how the government looks at your school to see how many uh, children, how many families are in poverty in that school. And if a majority, a vast majority are uh, reduced free and, and um, reduced lunch, free and reduced lunch, then you are a title one school, meaning that you have um, a majority of people who are below the poverty line. So the school that uh, Shelby teaches at is a title one school. There is a majority of um, students who are below the poverty line and families. Back when Chris and I were, uh, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, none of the elementary schools were Title One, none of them. But again, that shows that 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 change in demographics, even in just one district in one city in America, and it's like that all over. But luckily, in the higher ed, I don't have to pay for anything really. I mean, I might need some extra markers or something like that. So that two fifty a year for the taxes pretty much covers that. Um, but it's a weekly thing that, you know, my wife and I will go shopping. Um, and one of the places we'll have to stop is at Target or at Walmart or at, you know, one of these places to get things for that next week. Um, and it's, we've just built it into our, our, um, our budget for that. Breaks my heart. Really does. I can't even make a joke about it. Like that's just, it's bullshit. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's one of the main reasons why I want people who haven't been in a classroom since they slept through senior English, uh, and that's the last time they were in a classroom, but they think they're education experts. I want them to come back and see what it is like in a school in 2022, uh, because it is vastly different, especially if you graduated, let's say, 10 years ago or more graduate high school 10 years or more, the, the country has changed. And I don't think anyone can look at everything that's happened in the world and in the U.S. and go, no, it's the same as 10 years ago. No, no, we have vastly changed in this country. Well, education has changed even more so um, and seems like almost on a weekly basis, something new is coming up and something, whether it's a hurdle coming at us, whether it's something that um you know politically whether it's you know covid whether it's winter we had uh you know several snow days here in oklahoma um like days after it was 70 welcome to oklahoma weather yeah. um and so there's there's a lot of stuff and you got to think okay well these students who are title 1 who are below the poverty line well just let them learn virtually well no they can't they don't have wi-fi they don't have a, an ipad luckily uh, Chris and his department supply a lot of the electronics and things like that. And that, that should probably be its own podcast too, with all of the, everything you do for them. Um, but we can't just, you know, have this mindset of, oh, when I was in school, 
yeah, I just got whatever. Or, you know, I didn't have to worry about Wi-Fi ever or iPad. So everyone else should just do the same. Well, you know what? Just because you're, you grew up like that doesn't mean that's how it is now today in the United States. Um, and it comes back to that huge word that you said, Chris, empathy, empathy. You put yourself in someone's shoes and that's what teaching forces you to do. It forces you to understand that that child that just, or college student, that just blew up for some reason and you were like, what is going on? Well, you don't go over and smack him on the butt and say, you're a bad person and a bad student, but you have to actually take a step back and say, okay, let's take a time out. Let's, let's actually talk about this. What's going on? And you find out that um, mom kicked, and, and I found this out at a Title I school that I taught ninth and 10th grade at, second day of class, uh, or no, I'm sorry, second week of class, I had a guy that was only there like twice. And every time he was there, he had his head down and, you know, you're taught, don't let your students sleep. So I would walk around and say, hey, you need to keep your head up. Uh, if you're sick, go to the nurse. If not, keep your head up. We're learning here. And you get dinged as a teacher by your principals and whatever else, if you have students who have their heads down and, and not paying attention. Well, one day I was like, hey, why don't you come out here and talk to me in the, in the hallway? And so he came out and he was like, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. It was a first hour class. So it was a class that met, started at eight. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Um, but my dad uh, recently died. I was living with my dad and his girlfriend. His girlfriend decided after he died that she wanted nothing to do with me. So she kicked me out of the house. And so I've been kicked out of the house for the last three weeks and I'm living with my girlfriend's parents, but that's kind of weird. And also um, my girlfriend's brother just got arrested. And so we were trying to deal with, I mean, had this in one story, this 15 year old had seen more life in, in basically a month than I had seen in my entire life. And at that point, like 35 years of life, because I came from a, a middle, middle high class or middle uh, upper class upper middle class. There you go. I came from an upper middle class, like Chris talked about, you know, when we were at that district, it was the rich district. And so I did not know. So my first inclination was, you're a bad student, you know, why is your head down if you're not paying attention? But then I heard that and I was like, holy shit, I need to understand. And, and from that day on, if I had a student that caused a commotion, well, it's probably not because he hates the class or is just a bad kid. It may be because we're all reading in class and he still does not know how to read in 10th grade. And so it's much easier for him to cause a commotion, get in trouble and go to the principal's office and not have to show his fellow team or uh, students that he can't read because he's so embarrassed. I mean, there's so many parts and facets of, of the teaching that we have to understand and have that empathy for. Oof, sorry, I no, didn't put no, a bow on that, but was, stop apologizing. <laughs> like you both don't need to apologize for anything. Mm -hmm. That's why we're talking about all this. Mm -hmm. One, you're not Canadian. Yep, so you're not you Canadian. Sorry. A sorry. Yeah. Well, sorry I just don't want to take it now. over. Shelby has so much good stuff to say. I don't want to take this thing over, but yeah. Shelby goes, no. <laughs> I forgot again what the question was. So I didn't even I know we had a question. Shelby, like, Shelby, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot what the question was. We I've got the, how many the damn notes in front of me. Spend, I don't know what. How much do you spend to um, all of that? So because it, Shelby said about 2000. It is, <laughs> it is connected. And Justin said an essay. So yeah, an essay. Yeah. <laughs> English teacher, right? 
but it is connected. How much teachers are paid, the socioeconomic, how much teachers have to spend, mm -hmm. the, the, it's all connected. It's, we can't just compartmentalize, well, if we pay teachers more, education's fixed. No, 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 no. That's a great start for sure, because we're going to attract better people and better teachers, hopefully, if we pay them more. But we still have to look at social emotional. We still have to look at so many different facets of what education is. So you can't just throw money at a teacher and be like, hey, education's fixed, top 10 state, which is awesome the podcast too. Um, but the it's all connected. So how much Shelby has to spend really connects to what is being, how it's funded and the respect that we get as educators in education as a field as whole. So, yeah. I'm going to make this thing six hours. Just strap it. You know what? I'm fine with it. <laughs> oh. I'm not cutting anything out. I'm like leaving it all. <laughs> um, here's a good one. You guys kind of touched on it, but you both touched on it kind of already. Why? Why would you want to be a teacher in today's world? with covid because we've already talked about kind of uh, you guys kind of briefly touched over like the difficulty with you know covid how it's changed the landscape why would you want to be a teacher in today's world shelby's got something she wants to say go ahead shelby well i just wanted to give justin the opportunity to get <laughs> it all out again <laughs> nice um, if you got 45 minutes um I, I think that back to why I became an educator is still why I would want to be a teacher in today's world. And as Justin was saying too, just everything that these kids are going through. And even though my, my job is not to be anything other than a teacher, I mean, it goes back to, to Pavlov and, and I just completely blanked. Maslow. Thank you. Um, if, if their basic needs are not being met, not, nothing else matters. And I am so appreciative of my admin because I, I, if a kid comes in and they fall asleep before and their breakfast is still on their desk, I, I let them sleep it out because I know that whatever they are going through at home is, is why they're sleeping in my room. And that is so much more important to me than anything that I will be attempting to teach them that day. Um, if, if they're hungry, I will let them have an extra snack or go step into another room and eat for a little bit. And I, I needed that whenever I was younger. And so I, I want to be again, that person for, for all of these kids. So that's awesome. Oh, Kyle Pavlov and mass. Who was it? Maslow. Oh, you, you're, Maslow. you're getting ready to educate me. You forgot the name. <laughs> Yep, and I forgot the name, so I fucked up that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was going to say, they were X-Men. No, <laughs> no, I didn't even know. <laughs> Justin? So the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which she was, for those that haven't taken master's and PhD classes, this dude named Maslow came up with this idea that there's this triangle, basically, like a pyramid, and a foundational, and then it kind of goes up and up and up. The very top is like learning, like what you think should be going on. 
but the base is basically it, it, it's called the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So it's what a student needs to be able to learn something. And that very first foundational thing is safety. They need to feel safe. And that's safe with their teachers, safe in the classroom. They need to not worry about, they feel safe about, they know where to eat that night. They know where they're going to sleep, you know, things like that. We can't get to the pinnacle, the top, and actually teach them what they need to learn if they don't learn those or don't have those basic foundational things that lead up to that. And there's, it's all about social, emotional, and all of that. So that's a little bit of educational theory for those that weren't 100% sure. Oh, see. I thought you were going to go with like the kid at the top was going to get two kids to learn for them. And then they're going to recruit four more kids to learn for them. And then they get their friends to learn for them. Then everybody becomes like super learner. Oh, it's like Herbalife. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong pyramid. Okay. Oh, my bad. Um, So the, the why for me is, um, and you, you've heard it for the last 17 hours that I've been talking. Mm -hmm. It's just, man, it's my thing. It's, it's my nerdy thing. It's, it's the thing that I wake up for and I'm excited about. And what really gets me excited is the interaction that helping someone understand their career path, helping someone understand what they want to do, helping someone become the version of themselves that they always thought they could. Um, and, and that's not, you don't learn that through learning a five paragraph essay. You don't learn that through a, a college algebra or, you know, learning math, you learn that by the extra things that the teacher teaches as far as, um, you know, the social emotional, as far as how they interact with you, as far as everything that Shelby's been talking about, um, that's where the real learning comes into play. So that critical thinking, the social emotional, the emotional maturity, working with others, how do you work with others? How do you uh, handle conflict? All of that. Not only does that um, help for the career, but it also helps you just be a good citizen of the United States. And, and, and originally that's what the education was formed for. Public education was formed. It wasn't so we could uh, populate a workforce. That really didn't start until the late 60s, early 70s, when we saw a huge push for, you know, like the trickle down with Reagan and everything else. Everything started going towards business. Well, we got to get a job so you can, or go to schools so and get a job. Originally, it wasn't that. Originally, it was, we need you to go to school so you can be a critical thinker so when a vote comes up, you can ask yourself, is this good or is it bad? And I'm going to use everything that I've learned in school to make me a better citizen, to make me a better community person, all of that. So that is my why. I want to make people better. Um, and, and I'm not narcissistic enough. I am quite narcissistic, but not enough to think that I alone with my literature class or English class am going to make them a good person because they sucked before no, if they sucked before my class, they're probably going to suck after my class as a person, but at least I can expose them to how to critically think, metacognition, thinking about the idea of thinking. All of this, I can help them to where they can choose to be a better person if they want to, choose to be a better citizen, choose to be a well-informed person, and also learn all those skills that can help them for the job too. Um, so that, that is the why. Kyle, did he just say Hughes's name without saying Hughes's name? I think that so. Whole yeah, thing? Like, I believe so. Before, and then we'll continue. Before, yeah, continue to after suck. class. Yes, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Good, the good, ginger. 
The ginger. The well, ginger. I mean, that's all you have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gingery hues. All right, so we're going to wrap these two as we're nearing the end here because we've kept you guys long enough. Justin knows this is how we run anyway. Um, and Shelby, to be we'll fair, it's, it's like a good portion of his fault. <laughs> that is 100% accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I've been keeping um, tabs. We're going to roll these into two. One, what is your greatest achievement as a teacher? And then number two, would you ever consider changing career paths right now? Not Shelby the 10 years or 20 years from now, but Shelby today. Would you ever consider changing paths? Disclaimer, not Uh, a job offer because we don't have money. We we don't make anything (laughs) off of this show. Mm -mm. Um, I will, I'll start with that one. No, I, I love what I do. I love coming to school each day and seeing the kids. My love language is words of affirmation. And if anyone out there, if that's their love language, come teach elementary school because, well, maybe not fourth and fifth grade, anything below that (laughs) you will. I mean, that it is fulfilled every day. They love you so much. Um, so no, I would not, I, I have no desire of going into something different. Um, and then my greatest achievement, um, I would say just the fact that I, I know that I'm reaching the kids. Um, I, I've been at this school, this is my third year at this school and, um, I've taught second grade each time. So I, I have kids in third grade and fourth grade from the years past. And every morning I have about 15 kids come and tell me good morning for my years past, give me hugs, tell me they love me. And then at the end of the day, they come back down and say, I hope you have a great day. Uh, I can't wait to see you in the morning. And I mean, it's just, it, it makes me so happy that I, I know that I've reached them and I have a couple of kids who they, even when they're not supposed to leave their current classrooms, they know that my room is an open door and they will just come in and they, they will go sit at my desk and they'll just wait for me to come and talk to them or they'll just come in and they'll sit in the corner and cry it out because they know that they can do that in my room. <laughs> and they know that, again, they, they can talk things out with me. So just I feel like that's my greatest achievement is knowing that I, I have at least kind of affected some kids. So That's so, awesome. To, it is awesome. And to be fair... I take advantage of her open door policy when I need to go mm-hmm. cry during the day. I'm like, my boss is mean to me. This teacher called me dumb because I wouldn't open up the website. Well, to be fair, I take advantage of, of your position because I don't call anyone else for help. So it's a it's a two way two way thing. Thank it's you. Nice we both <laughs> take advantage of each other. That's, uh... Oh, we use each other. Oh, How nice. <laughs> All right, Mr. Justin. Um, greatest achievement. Um, Being friends with me. That's, I mean, that's a usually, given. usually whenever I make it to class on time and don't sleep through my alarm, I find that's my greatest achievement. Um, I'm glad you said sleep through your alarm and you make it to class. Not that I find when I stay awake during my own class, <laughs> I find that that's a great achievement. Oh, once I'm me. there, man, I'm there. Uh, <laughs> probably my greatest achievement um, is not something that actually happened in the classroom, but happens years later. 
Um, so it's happened a few times that uh, whenever my wife started working where Shelby's working, um, one of the students there, I'm sorry, one of the students, one of the, uh, the faculty, one of the specialists was in my class in my very first class I ever taught. God love her. I was a hot mess. And I don't know how she made it through senior English with me as a teacher because it was, you know, crazy. But later she was um, talking with my wife who is, uh, and now she's on the second grade team with Shelby and my wife. And she had mentioned to my wife that the reason why she got into teaching was thanks to my class. And I was like, what? A, first of all, I was a hot mess and B, what? Um, and I mean, there's no greater, no greater achievement than, than that. If you just through your actions, through your teaching, through your example and all of that uh, can inspire someone to also find that calling, that's amazing. And, and it happened when I was teaching college too. I had a, a student that um, several years after I had them in community college, uh, they went on to you know school and uh, you know the four-year school after their associates and started teaching. And so I, we were friends on social media and I saw that she was an English teacher that was blah, blah, blah. And I had her in a, a random uh, American lit class and um, hadn't talked to her in four or five years and, and saw that she was, you know, her first day of teaching. So I just messaged her and said, hey, we're proud of you. Uh, great job. And she replied and said, well, you're the reason why I'm here because that American lit class reawoke my love for literature and everything else. And and I hadn't talked to this girl in like five, six years and I hadn't talked to her outside of class ever. We just had that small interaction. So, and that's not to say, don't hear that as, um, you know, every student I teach is inspired to go on and teach. And no, a vast majority are like, I, you know, never want to take school again after you. But uh, it, it is, I would honor that as my greatest achievements. Um, and I think that goes into my teaching philosophy too, because I don't know, you've probably heard it. Maya Angelou has a, um, a quote that said, and I had to look at, uh, so I didn't say it wrong, but it says, I've learned that many people will forget what you said. People will forget how, what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think quality teachers, that's what they do. My, my favorite teacher, you know, Miss North in fourth grade at, at Peters Elementary, um, I don't remember a thing that we, well, actually I, we learned um, the preposition song aboard about above across after against along. And I still remember that for some reason, but other than that, I don't remember a thing. That awesome. We did in fourth grade class, but I remember she changed my world, man. And so that's what I want to be. And that's my greatest achievement is if I can do that for someone else. Um, would I ever do anything else? possibly. And the reason why is not because of the job. It's not because of the students. It's because of society. Uh, there's such a devaluing of education right now and a politicizing of education right now. Um, you know, everything from the bullshit CRT that as a PhD student, I did not learn about. It's not until my dissertation of my PhD that one of my advisors was like, hey, I think you should put this in because my dissertation was all about teaching race through literature to rural white students. And that's where um, basically my community college students are from. 
And it wasn't until I was doing that that they said, hey, you should do the CRT thing. And I was like, I've heard of that, but eh, okay. And it wasn't until that that I really did a deep dive into what CRT was. <laughs> Excuse me, I had to sneeze. You're fine. Uh, I've done it like five I've, times already. Yeah, into what CRT oh. was. Is that being teach or taught in, in Shelby's class? Hell no. Is it you ever going now. to be taught? Hell no. <laughs> but is it being used the law as, now here? Is it being used to fire up a political base and make education and teachers as an enemy? Yes. Social emotional here in Oklahoma. Um, the don't say gay in Florida. There's so many different things that they're trying to use education as a political tool to fire up a base and make educators as a um, um, clean enemy. Yeah. And, and we can see this with a lot of the same people. And I'm not going to make this political. I'm not going to say one, one area is right. But a lot of the same people, and it's shown through, um, through emails, it's been shown through articles, it's been shown through a lot of different ways. The same people who helped orchestrate the January 6th insurrection are now targeting uh, school boards. Uh-huh. And they want to make it to where, and we've seen stories across for the last couple of years about how school board members are getting threatened and getting, you know, masks and all these other things that it's for the safety of the students. But because it's now become political, now we're putting safety, the safety of the students, the safety of the staff, the teachers, everything at risk. So someone can score some political points. They don't care about the students. They'll say they do. And then we get this whole book banning bullshit that um, if you don't want your child to read it, they don't have to, but banning it for every child because you feel a certain way that goes against literally the constitution, uh, the freedom of religion, freedom of speech, all of that. But yet to fire up a political base, you know, we've had book burnings before in history. Those people didn't go down well um, as far as how the history books see them. Nazis. Because of CRT and, how, you know, the misuse of that, we can't even teach history correctly. So the people who are wanting to ban books also want to ban the reason why they want to ban books and that we ever or they ever wanted to ban books because let's just change how we teach our history too. So... This is not necessarily a Republican issue. This isn't necessarily a Democrat issue, independent, whatever. This is a U.S. issue, and it's going to be a crisis because it's going to push teachers out. And we've already seen that happening, and it's only going to yeah. push them out more. Whenever lawmakers, and, and again, you, you had that, um, that saying, those who can't teach, uh, those who can't, comma, teach. Um, well, there's a new thing to that. Those who can't teach make laws about teaching. And we see that constantly. Mm -hmm. These people that haven't been in the classroom since they were, again, slept through biology their senior year of high school, but because they think that they've they've been to school, so I know what it is, well, that's devaluing what Shelby does. That devalues what I do. That devalues the entire system. And then for you to think that you're some type of expert in this, I have multiple degrees and I still can still say, I'm not completely an expert in how to be a principal. I'm not completely an expert in, you know, the support system of I, if now, if you want literature, English, especially geared towards college and things like that, 
Yes, I'm an expert. I can show you degrees and I can do that. But I would not even dream of telling a math teacher how to do something, let alone telling someone who is a plumber, you know what? I I pooped on a toilet once. So I think I know something about plumbing. You're doing that wrong. Well, no, that plumber went to years of uh, experience for trade school. Then they had years of experience of just interaction. And so, you know what? I trust that plumber to do what they do. Mm -hmm. Whenever a doctor comes back and says, well, sir, ma'am, your child um, has cancer. You don't, those um, parents typically don't look at the te- or the um, doctor and say, well, did you really uh, differentiate how you um, looked at the cancer? And are you sure that the cancer is really something that's not your fault? And it's no, you listen to that and then you take the steps effective you need to do to fix that. But in education, if a student is like, well, you're deficient, your student is deficient in reading. Well, how did you differentiate? What did you do? Well, your child didn't do any of the work. Well, how's that's actually your fault as a teacher that your child didn't, that, that the student didn't do any work. As a, a parent, I have, and, and this isn't all parents, but it's the vocal ones. As a parent, you know, I don't know what, I, I can't do anything. Yeah, you can. You can read your student at home. You can look at their homework. You can show some interest. Uh, but instead, school has turned into a state mandated daycare in a lot of these people's minds. And that is not what it is. Education is a way to transform people's lives. Education is a way to get them out of poverty and break that cycle. Education is a way for us to critically think and elect the right leaders and do a lot of the things that work in our jobs, in our social and every aspect of our life. Education can be the key to that. But if we keep devaluing teachers, we keep devaluing education, defunding teachers, defunding education, and then also making these bullshit laws that um, is meant basically to scare teachers into not teaching. And the new new fad is to have some type of penalty that the school doesn't pay that the teacher has to pay personally. So um, with like the CRT, one of the, the bills said that if a teacher is caught teaching this, then they are going to be fined $10,000 and lose their teaching license for five years. That is fucking bullshit because just because one person thinks, oh, this is CRT and CRT is a theory about how to look at race and how it's constructed within U.S. society. Tell me when a second grader has ever been able to comprehend that, let alone be taught that. Um, But it's become this whole catch-all of, well, you're talking about race, that's CRT. No, that is not what CRT is. And we need to talk about race. We need to talk about LBGTQ. We need to talk about trans. We need to talk about all of this stuff. We need to talk about sex. We need to talk about politics. We need to talk about religion. We need to talk about all of this. So that way the student is well-educated and has a good mind of what's going on. Now, as teachers, we don't influence. Are there some that do? Sure. Are there some doctors that kill people? Yeah. Does that mean all doctors are bad? No. Does that mean all teachers try to influence? No. A really good teacher knows that I'm not here to have a student think the same way that I think. A teacher is there to give them critical thinking skills and allow them to think for themselves. But ironically, those that are against allowing a teacher to teach 
and are trying to force teachers what they can teach are saying that, well, it's because you're not teaching them how to think, you're teaching them what to think. Well, no, I'm teaching them how to think, but by limiting everything in through these laws, you are effectively not teaching them how to think. And so it's, if I get out of education, it's going to be because of the political and social climate. I hope, I hope I'm an educator for the next 45 years and I retire, how old am I at 80, um, you know, whatever, so you're 85, yes. So I hope I- You're not 40. Huh? Old ass liar. He also said he's not the math guy. That is true. Well, okay. I'll write you a poem about it. That part was just proven true. Oh, wait. I'm 44 now. So if 45 years would be. Older than me. 89. 89. All right. But I will write you a a really nice poem about how old I am. But but you understand that, like, I want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I love it. And no one can listen to this podcast and not think, oh, that guy kind of likes that teaching thing. But if I'm forced out of it due to political reasons, social uh, society devaluing and all of that, it will break my heart. But at least I won't be another cog in the wheel. Um, So that's how I will leave them kids alone is if politics gets so circle. Thank you. That is is if the political nature gets so toxic that we can't do what we should be able to do. Yeah. And that would kill me if that happened. Just after hearing you two spending the past two hours with you two, just mm-hmm. talking about this, that would seriously kill me. Now, I know you said like you didn't want to get like too far and too political with it and the things that are going on. And you know, we we reference our state because it's our state. We know what's going on here because we live here. And and still not to point the the political finger at anything, but we are you know very uh, deeply you know very deep red state. Um, and I think that just goes to show that uh, Mephisto is having a huge influence over the, bitch. over the education <laughs> I just in this state. Into this uh, de- okay, show me some backstory. Off, I was going to say off screen, maybe, because that's a, there's a long story behind that. But how about <laughs> it? Yeah, basically, during uh, WandaVision, I was just convinced Mephisto was going to make an appearance. Mephisto's the devil in the Marvel Universe. Right. Never happened. I kept calling it, calling it. And so Kyle's been running with it for 83 episodes in the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. And the thing is, you think I'd learn, but he gets me. There's only been once, once. he hasn't gotten me, mm-hmm. but I'd, I'll sit here just looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know, he, there's that fish, there's that worm, and I just bite at it. Yeah, I'm like 82 and one now. So I'm not keeping count, but I'm just saying that I'm probably like 82 and one. Okay, Kyle is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. What's in the show notes? I don't know. <laughs> so, okay, well, Kyle, anything, anything else that, you want to? Anything that you guys want to want to leave us with? Uh, leave with the listeners before we before we wrap it up and put a bow on it. I'll go first, so that way Shelby can end it um... on a positive note. On a yes. positive note, because I'm, you know, I keep it, I keeps it real, yo. Um, okay, I might maybe, cut maybe. that out. Yeah, I, mean, I don't edit much, but I may just for uh, your own sake. Really, for my own sake? Oh, I yeah, thought that I'm, got me straight. Maybe, maybe. I'm looking out for um, you. Education is literally the backbone to our society, and um, you don't necessarily have to vote for every bond. You don't necessarily have to, um, you know, volunteer at your local school. You don't necessarily have to do all of that stuff, 
but just keep an open mind about what's being said about education. Talk to an educator before you make a decision as far as, oh, well, this is going on in the classroom and this is going on. Um, don't necessarily listen to media that is meant just to make you mad um, and politicize things. Talk to your local educator. Uh, and, and there's a good chance that your neighbor is, you know, your, your cousin, your, you know, friend from high school, whatever. Um, and if it's something that really is bothering you, you know, let's say the book ban or the CRT or, you know, things like that, that's, that's been politicized lately, talk to them first and say, you know, Hey, is this going on? Have you heard of this? And that teacher will give you an honest answer. I guarantee that. Um, but overall, there's a reason why it's the largest lease in our state. It's the largest piece of the budget every year is because it's such a huge backbone to our society. If education crumbles, especially public education, if that crumbles, we're going to see business follow right after. We're going to see, um, you know, a lot within society crumble right after. And, and I hope that is never going to happen, but just support educators um, you know, buy them a Starbucks every once in a while for me, a Dr. Pepper, but, um, you know, just do something because they do have, we do have a job that's grossly misunderstood and, uh, it is not easy, but we love it. And unfortunately that love allows people to like politicians to take advantage of that love when it's a calling sometimes it's taken advantage of, but, um, you know, give a, give a high five to your local, um, high school teacher or whatever. If you have that teacher that really meant something to you back in high school, middle school, find them on social media and just say, hey, no, I just wanted you to know I was thinking about you. And that will get that teacher through that hard week or that hard month, just knowing that they had that influence and were able to do that. So that's, that's what I would ask. Well said. Um, I, I would say also don't forget about your elementary teachers. That's my fear is that they're going to grow up and they're going to forget about me. And I, I hope that they don't because I have given so much of my, my love to them. Um, but I agree, reach out, see if, see if anyone that, you know, that's in education means anything, or, I mean, if you know that your favorite drink or whatever, that's always very much appreciated. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't really have anything else to say, Justin. Justin's covered it all. All of it. Good so job, Justin. All the cover. All mm -hmm. the bows. All the bows. All the bows. Well, you know, thank you for being here. We really mm -hmm. appreciate you taking time. Um, we know this this should have been Shelby's plan time, <laughs> but Kyle had to ruin that. What? And going? Yeah, no, that's fine, Kyle. Shut up. It's cool. No, it's fine. Ruin it like you ruin everything. That's fine. fine. Um, I'm not even going to say my ending part then. So if you can remember that. Yes, you, yes, you like are. You forgot the intro. Okay. Yeah, I forgot a lot today. <laughs> I'm old. Um, mm -hmm. Well, with that, this has been Every Man's Guide to Nerddom. I'm Chris. And I'm Kyle. And wherever you guys are, have a good evening, night, morning, whatever time it is. And please be good to each other. And thank you, Justin and Shelby. Thank you both very much. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. See ya. See ya. Nerd Coke rise up. It could get elevated. Nerd Coke rise up. It could get elevated.
Nerdcore used to be just a made up 